How about now? Can y'all hear me? It's weird hearing my voice, right? <laughs> um, today we're going to talk about a life worth living. Amen? Amen. Um, I think we all know the feeling, you know, of a wasted investment, right? We've all had stocks. Um, well, not all of us had stocks, but some of us had stocks that's tanked properties, that's lost values. Um, like this guy. This guy. We had gym memberships that's gone to waste. <laughs> We've had workout DVDs that we bought, P90X. I got P90X, paid 100-something dollars for it. It's still sitting in the, in the DVD case, supplements, um, et cetera. Uh, hold on. My, that's my place. Also, you know, subscriptions that we never used, et cetera. Um, and even relationships. You know, we've invested times, whether it be romantic relationships or friendships. How many of us ever spent money to go on dates, spent time, spent energy talking? And at the end of it all, we feel like we wasted it, right? Uh, I know I'm not the only one, you know? We feel like, <laughs> my wife's saying, yeah, like she wasted hers. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so we feel like a lot of times we put a lot of energy, effort into these things, but the return isn't what we expected, mm -hmm. right? Um, but also, like these investments, I think it's also, like these wasted investments, I think it's also impossible for us to waste our entire lives, you know? I think it's, it's possible for us to um, use, to, to misappropriate the gifts and um, talents that we've been given and put them to waste. Amen? Um, this is something that should worry all of us, even as believers, non-believers. Um, I know you see it in the world. Everybody wants to have purpose for their lives. They want to um, have a reason to live. You know, I know this big thing. No, I know I don't want to go too much into this, but it was a recent comment about, you know, um, we should all strive to be bosses and be... Um, you know, you know, create some identity and some legacy on this world. Amen. So I think it's something that should worry us as believers and even non-believers. Um, and so here I want to go into our scripture in Luke chapter 12. Amen. So if you got it, say amen. Or say you got it. <laughs> All right, Luke 12. I don't have it. <laughs> so in the light of not wasting our lives, I think we all have, um, you know, we all have central focuses of our lives. Whether, what do we think about when we wake up in the morning? What do we think about when we go to sleep? Some people think about um, how, do we, how do I be more successful today? How, was I, uh, how do I expand my wealth? How do I expand my career? Um, some people think about love. Some people think about status. Um, some people's central focus of their lives is patriotism, and um, a big thing is happiness. You know, some people wake up say, "How do I be happy today? How do I be more happy? If, if this is not making me happy, I'm going to eliminate it. If this is making me happy, I'm going to cleave to it." Amen. So we all have this central focus to our lives, a defining theme. What we're passionate about. What do we wake up in the morning and go to sleep thinking about? So let's read Luke chapter 12, and we're going to start in verse 13. 
And it says, someone in the crowd in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I just want to stop right here real quick. I think this is very powerful, that what Jesus says to this guy, that your life is not um, defined by your possessions. Um, see, this guy wanted to, um, just, I don't know if, you, if anybody has siblings, but let's say your parents die, and let's say one sibling gets most of the money um, that your parents left behind. So this, this brother is like, hey, you know, kid, Jesus, tell my brother to split the inheritance with me. And... Um, or, you know, tell them to split the inheritance with me. And Jesus is saying, do not be covetous over other, what other people have, for your possessions does not define you. So pretty much um, be careful of wanting what other people have, you know? Be careful of covetousness. I know it's popular to, um, especially on social media, to post other people's pictures and be like, oh, you know, uh, goals, squad goals, and this goals, and that goals, and trying to attain what other people have, Amen. But I think it's, it's important for us to not to be careful of wanting what other people have, wanting their money, wanting their status, wanting their fame, wanting their relationship. We don't know the ins and outs of the relationship, but we, want, we see this and say, oh, they look happy. I want that. Amen? But Jesus is telling you, your life is not divine, defined by your possessions. Let's continue. Verse, seven, um, verse 16. And he told them a parable saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully, and he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and I will say to my soul, so you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So this guy is a typical American, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> He's a typical, uh, he lives in America. He's chasing the American dream. He attained the American dream. He got all the possessions, and he's, uh, he's turning his, his money. His 401K is building. He's flipping houses. He's doing everything, and he's, he's gaining um, wealth. He's gaining land. He's gaining property. He's doing all this stuff, right? And end of it, he's, oh, he's doing it all so that for many years, he can relax, eat, and drink, and be merry. How many of us is that I go? You know, like one day we'll get 65 and Lord, I'm just coast, right? Um, like, uh, I know, like I have older people in my family and in-laws and stuff. And a couple, some of them retired and just hanging out. And some of them don't want to retire, just the ones keep working. But um, I think it's something that, that we all think about is just one day I get to relax from and enjoy the fruits of my labor, right? Um, but hold up, <laughs> what, God said, what God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So this is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Amen? So Jesus is continuing with his topic of you're not defined by your possessions. So all this thing, that this, all this stuff that this guy has attained, and he's living, and he's enjoying his life, they're all, they're all pale. They're all does not make him rich towards God. They're all are not building up treasures in heaven. They are not building up life. They're not building up um, treasures. They're not edifying God's kingdom. Amen? Um, 
So he, God calls him a fool, you know? But by the end of our lives, what, does, what happens if all that we attained, our status, our money, our, you know, love, our friendships, um, what if at the end of our lives these things gain us nothing? Amen? Um, in 1 Corinthians 6, um, Paul tells us that we were bought with a price. You know, we were purchased by the blood of Christ. So we're not our own, you know. We are essentially God's investment, you know, by Christ. As, as we focus on the cross in this, in, in this month of April that Peter been preaching on, the cross, um, Jesus has been, Jesus purchased us with, by being crucified on the cross. So we're no longer our own. We have purpose. We have more in this life than chasing financial, chasing satisfaction on earth. Um, let's jump to Philippians chapter 1. Our bodies and our lives are essentially God's investments, and we don't want our lives to be like our gym memberships and like our success magazine subscriptions that we never read. <laughs> uh, I'm talking to somebody. <laughs> uh, Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. Everybody got it? As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that I will be full, that, that I, that, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Wow. So Paul is telling us that, um, that he's, he's longing that Christ will be honored but in his body, whether by life or by death. Amen? Um, giving God a return on his investment is by honoring Christ in our everyday lives. Whether we are living, whether we're dying, whether we're happy, whether we're sad, whether we're rich or poor, we are longing to honor God with our life. That's a life worth living. Amen? Um, in Galatians chapter 14, Paul talks about, that's not chapter 14, chapter 6. Let's, uh, let's go there. Um, I'll read this verse. Chapter 6, verse 14. It says, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me, and I to the world. Um, and if you I have a couple of scriptures. I won't read them all. But like, for example, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is continuing to make throughout his letters. He makes it clear that the gospel and the cross is most important in our Christian walk, um, that it is the most important thing, even in, in Christianity. Like a lot of times we like to focus on different things. We like to focus on um, what can we get out of God? How can God bless me? How can we even... Um, even being charitable, you know, some, some churches, some, some groups focus more on being charitable and focus on um, different things. But Paul is making it clear that proclaiming the gospel and proclaiming the cross is what's most important. Um, I have a quote. Hopefully it comes up. Um, Jerry Bridges, it says, it's not only the most important message in all of history. 
is the only essential message in all of history. Yet we allow thousands of professing Christians to live their entire lives without clearly understanding it and experiencing the joy of living by it. He's talking about the gospel. Amen? We must never stop concentrating on the wonders of Jesus Christ crucified if we want to live a life worth living. Um, it's what separates us from all, any other religions. It's what separates us from the world, what separates us from non-believers, is the fact that we believe in the gospel. We believe that Christ crucified was died for our sins on the cross. Um, it is the over, one overarching theme should motivate all our work and affect every part of who we are, is that Christ died for our sin. Amen? Amen. So if we want to live a life worth living, we have to start with the cross. We have to start with the gospel. We have to start with our lives centralized around Christ and him crucified. Amen? Everybody still with me? Yeah. All right. <clears throat> there are three tendencies that tend to draw us away from this, this, this life worth living, this cross-centered life. One is subjectiv subjectivism, uh, legalism, condemnation. Sub subjectivism is a weird word, excuse me, um, which means it pretty much means basing our view of God on our, um, on our circumstances, on our ever-changing feelings, on our emotions. So if we feel happy, then we feel God is loved. If we feel um, sad, then we feel oh, God is upset with me. And our, our feelings on God and our feelings on the world is ever-changing, right? So subjectivism bases our view on God and a view of truth on our feelings. Legalism, everybody don't want to be legalistic these days, <laughs> which means basing our relationship on God on our own performance. So it's trying to earn God's favor. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to cuss. I'm not going to, um, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to go to church every week, and thinking that earns them favor with God. Um, that's legalism. That, that, that is contrary to a life worth living. You know, we can't please God. We, we don't please God, and we don't earn grace by being good, you know, by being that goody-two-shoe kid. <laughs> Amen? Um, another, next, the last thing is condemnation. That takes us away from living this life, which means we're more focused on our sin and we're more focused on our sin than we are on God's word and on God's grace. Amen. Um, so there's a couple keys, three keys. I'm going to go through them real quick. Uh, we're going to get into the meat of the message. Amen. Everybody ready to live this life? <laughs> All right. So key number one is to develop a deep appreciation for the cross. Let's jump to a couple of scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 2. So it says, For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Since we're in 1 Corinthians, Let's go up to chapter 1, verse 17. Should be the next page. If you had, anybody needs Bibles, there are Bibles. No? All right. Um, 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. So if Paul couldn't speak with eloquent wisdom, I don't need to. Right? <laughs> uh, so if I stumble, Paul did too. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain, and your faith is in vain. So here, we, from these scriptures, we see that Paul understands the significance of the cross. Like, he's emphasizing that the cross and Jesus and Christ and him crucified is what is primary reason, you know, is, is the primary um, focus of his life. And it should be the primary focus of all our lives. Why? Because, um, because the gospel saves us from our sin. You know, sin is cosmic treason towards God. It's not just, oh, I, I messed up, I sinned, or I, oh, I made a fault, or I made a mistake. But sin is actually, um, is actually an offense to God. And because of his goodness, because of his, his, just, his justice, we deserve death. You know, we deserve punishment. But Paul understands that the gospel saves us from our penalty. You know, the Christ and Christ died and dying on the cross saves us from the penalty that we deserved. Amen. One more scripture about this. First Timothy. I know I'm jumping around a lot. But first Timothy chapter one. First Corinthians, first Timothy chapter one, verse nine. Understanding this that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, and for murderers, the sexual immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of glory of the, of the blessed God, which I have been entrusted. So we see that God requires perfection. You know, all of us at some point fall into this category that we deserve, you know, that, that, Paul, that Paul talks about here, the lawless and disobedient. All of us, some, at some point, we fall into one of these categories. But Christ in his goodness died in our place. He took on our sins and he died in our place. And that so through, his, through the cross, um, we, are now, we now have access to salvation. We now have access to grace. There's no grace without the cross. Amen? Think about where we, where we were before the cross. Think about the sins that we were entrapped in, that we enslaved, that we were enslaved in. Um, think about those when we reflect on the cross. Um, only, only people that are aware of God's grace can appreciate it. You know, we can appreciate that we, we deserve death. You know, we deserve the wrath of God, but, um, but Christ, you know, but the cross saves us. In Isaiah, God talks about it was the will of God, the will of the Lord to crush Jesus on our behalf. And Paul's reflecting on these things, that it was, it pleased God to crush Jesus, to for Jesus to be crucified in our place so that now we can attain grace. So we should appreciate the cross. 
in our daily lives. As we wake up, we should appreciate that Christ died for our place that we, um, and we live a life that we don't deserve. You know, justice would have been to, to punish us. You know, but love is what saves us. Love is what keeps us um, from experiencing the wrath of God. Christ was the ransom for us all. Now, through Christ, since we're in 1 Timothy, let's jump, chapter 2, verse 5. Um, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. See, Christ, gave, Christ, became the, gave, Christ was the ransom for us, for us all. He bought us, you know. We were, um, we were in sin. We were, our lives were um, apart from God. But Christ, through his blood, through the cross, ransomed us. So now we belong to Christ. We belong to God now that we're in the faith. Amen. God's hostility was against, that was against us for our sins, for our disobedience, it was put on, on Christ. He, the hostility that was against us was now on Christ. Um, we were hostile against God. You know, we didn't have a relationship with him. We couldn't, um, we couldn't communicate with him. We couldn't, um, like Adam and Eve was kicked out of the garden. It was kicked away from the presence of God. Um, we were like that. But because of the cross, now we have access to God. Uh, we no longer face condemnation. We can live each day free from that fear. Um, he was nailed to the cross that we deserved. So we should focus on this, you know. It should be an important part of our lives. Nothing else is of comparable importance, whether it be prosperity, whether it be our families, whether it be friends, whether it be self-love, you know, self-appreciation for ourselves. We should appreciate the cross more than we even appreciate ourselves. Um, Love, charity, um, this cross is what defines us as believers. And the gospel is what makes us, separates us from the world, what separates us um, for God. Amen? So the first point is develop a deep appreciation for the cross. So day in our daily lives, wake up, think about the cross as we pray, as we worship God, Thank God for the cross. You know, thank God that we, don't, that we are free from sin, that we don't have to pay the penalty of our sin. Number two, look outwardly. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> the, cross, the cross-centered life or the life worth living starts with biblical thinking. Um, this starts on subjectivism. So oftentimes we believe things that are not even biblical. You know, we believe um, things about God. We believe things about ourselves. We believe things about the world that um, are, too, um, are too dependent on how we feel rather than the truth. You know, um, too often we, we think that if we don't feel love, we don't feel, we feel God is not love. If we feel something is right, we do it, you know? Uh, we feel something wrong, we stay away from it based on our feelings rather than truth. Um, humility is, basing, is not basing our faith on feelings or experiences, but truth of the scripture. Um, 
God, let's jump to James chapter 4 real quick. Two, a couple books over. James chapter 4, verse 6. It says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You know, pride is thinking that we're more right than the scriptures. You know, pride is thinking that our feelings are more important than the truth of God. If God says one thing, we, we, we prideful. Um, so let's say we feel um, condemned. You know, sometimes we may feel like, oh, I don't feel, I just sinned last night or I sinned this morning. And now we feel condemned. But the truth of God tells us that we're free. You know, the truth of God tells us we're, we're a new creation. Sometimes we may feel things about our past that we may have been into. And we may feel condemned, like, dag, man, like I did something 20 years ago, and I feel, still feel a burden of it. But God gives us freedom from that, you know. And instead of basing our feelings and basing the truth and feeling condemned, we can look to God's word and say, you know, we are free from this. Amen? Um, even in our darkest hours, we are all going to suffer, um, but nothing was compared to Christ. You know, Christ is the only, um, <laughs> Christ is the only deity that can, that, can, that can say they experienced what it means to be a human being. You know, um, in Hebrews chapter 4, since we're in James, one book over, <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, Verse 13, it says, And no creature is hidden from his sight. Um, That's not the verse I wanted to read, but uh, let's keep going. Oh, yes, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every aspect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So, Christ experienced what we go through. Christ experienced our feelings. He experienced the ups and downs of life. He experienced death to friends. He experienced, um, he experienced hate. He experienced opposition. He experienced love. So we can look to Christ as an example. We can look to Christ to say, um, yeah, we can look to Christ as an example to how to live our lives and how to navigate through these ups and downs of life. Instead of basing, instead of basing our, instead of setting truth as our feelings, we can look to Christ for truth. Amen? Um, the cross lets us understand the depths of God love, God's love for us. We may base his love on other things. We may base his, if somebody, if we lose a loved one, we may feel unloved. If we get sick, we may feel unloved. But we can... Just look to the cross to see the depth of God's love for us. Like if he can send his son to take our place, then that tells us the depths of God's love for us. Um, do not allow ourselves to lose joy in the cross. We should joy, take joy, take pleasure in what the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? So the second point is look outwardly. So we look outwardly to the cross. We don't look within ourselves to find truth. We don't look within ourselves to find peace and happiness. But we look outwardly to the cross to find truth, to find peace, to find happiness and joy. Amen? Amen. 
Next step. <laughs> so the first one is, anybody, anybody want to help me pop quiz? What's the first one? Rob? <laughs> just message. Develop a Jesus crowd. All right. And the second one we just did? Look outward. Okay. So third one is stop worshiping yourself. How many people worship themselves, worship themselves today? Nobody wants, nobody wants to admit it, huh? <laughs> you know, um, so there's, there's, there's two things that talks about self-worship. If you ask most people, um, you know, what defines, a Christi- what defines Christians? Even you, we face this on our workplace. If you're, you know, open about your faith on your workplace and we've, in gym, people expect a higher standard for Christians, right? They expect the Christian to be almost a perfect symbol. Um, if you profess Christianity, you, you, do, you better not slip up, you know, because they're like, I thought you was a Christian. You know, why are you doing that? Uh, or, you know, if you sin, like, oh, dang, you know. So people look to Christians as somebody that does good. If you ask a, a non-believer, a believer, they think a Christian is somebody who is good, who goes to heaven, who goes to church on a regular. But as Christians, we don't, we don't believe that Christians are good, you know? We believe that we are just fallen as everybody else, but we put our faith in Christ, you know? We put our, our hope, we put our, um, we put our identity in Christ. So in Galatians, one scripture on this, Galatians, we're in Hebrews, a couple books over. Galatians chapter 3. Uh, lost my place. I forgot the scripture. But okay. So legalism, what legalism is essentially self-atonement for the for the purpose of self-glorification and ultimately for self-worship. So if somebody that's that's legalistic is somebody that is trying to prove their faith, trying to prove their salvation, trying to attain salvation and grace and favor with God through their works, which essentially is self-worship. It's like saying, God, look at me, look how perfect I am, look how good I am, I help people, I do things. So pretty much I'm self-glorifying my God, myself towards God and I'm self-worship, I'm worshiping myself, I'm worshiping my deeds, I'm worshiping everything that I do. I, that I do. It is the pinnacle of pride for me to assume that by, by my good works, I can never, I can ever morally obligate God to forgive me, justify me, or accept me. It's foolish, you know, to think that in our fallen world, in our, in our, hum, in our human um, instincts, that we can ever morally obligate God to forgive me. Like, we can't say, God, you know, I've, look what I've done. Look what I've done, God. Now you have to forgive me. Now you have to love me. Now you have to do these things. Um, but that's foolishness, you know? And that's what legalism is. We experience grace, but we don't earn grace. Grace is not earned. It's like, it's like that old adage, um, you know, you earn respect. But you don't technically earn respect. You earn trust, 
but re respect is given, you know? Like, somebody can be evil to you, but you can still respect them if you choose to. It's foolish to think, you know, I'm going to do nice things for you, and now, you're gonna, now you have to respect me. It's like, it's like the civil rights movement. I'm kind of getting off topic. But it's like, it's like the civil rights movement. You, know, you can dress nice, you can be gentle, you can be kind, but it doesn't necessarily mean somebody's going to respect you. you know? and same thing with God. You can't dress nice, you can't dress up, you can't put lipstick on a pig and expect God to you know, essentially love you. you know? Only way God, through, God pours out his love for us through the cross. So we don't have to earn God's love. God's love is already proven. God's grace is already given. And we can just live in that. We don't have to be legalistic. We don't have to um, try to butter God up. We don't have to try to say, hey, God, um, I need to pass this test. So, you know, I'm going I'm to give an extra tithe today, <laughs> you know. Um, we, but it's liberating, you know. We, don't, we, we can be free from having to prove our um, our faith and have to prove our Christianity. We don't have to keep this, the boat afloat. We don't have to keep this Christianity. It's not our, it's not our job to keep this Christianity ship sailing. <laughs> it's God's job. You know, it's God's job to keep this, this, boat, this boat flailing, this, this boat afloat and keep it sailing. Amen? Amen. Um, we can have confidence in the finished work of the cross. Now we can be free from legalism, but of condemnation. Um, let's jump to Romans chapter 8. Powerful verse. And it says, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there's not, therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we not only are we free from having to prove and having to, um, to live a quote-unquote right life or quote-unquote perfect life, but now we are free from condemnation. We don't have to live with the burden of sin anymore. If we're in Christ, we are free from that. He saved us for a re He saved us. You know, he saved us for his purpose. He saved us for his work. Um, and one last scripture, and I'm, I'm done, I promise. I know preachers always say that now. First Timothy, chapter 1, verse 16. And it says, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example for those who, who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So here we, we, we see that we've been saved for a reason. We've been given purpose. We've been given purpose on this earth. Um, not only like in the, in the youth group purpose, like we have, you know, in the youth group, so everybody has purpose. Go find your purpose. But our purpose is simply to glorify God and to glorify God in our bodies, glorify God in our lives, glorify God in our day in and day out. So that is how we live a life worth living. 
That is how we live an unwasted life, by glorifying God, finding joy in the cross, finding joy in truth, rather than trying to find joy outward, trying to find joy either inwardly or outside of the cross. All of these things will fade away, you know? Um, we will fade away. We can one day, the, the day we finally be satisfied with the way we look, the way we are, the way we, the, how much money we have, could be the day we die, you know? So we should find our joy in Christ, find our, our life, our purpose, our everything in the cross and in the work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And that is, that's all I have. <laughs> that's pretty. Um, you gonna die? <laughs> no, I said I said it could be the no 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 I said it could be. <laughs>